Is there anybody here? I will introduce myself. I'm Stephen Horbath, if any of you need any reminding of that. If not, I'm not anybody special, just a bum, but hey, guess what? Jesus came to save bums, so I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy about that today. Today we're going to do a little talking um, about a message that God gave His church about 130 years ago, and it's kind of interesting. It's not unique to our church or to this movement. He gave it several thousand years ago also when His promised people were coming into the promised land or attempting to come into the promised land. So this morning we're just going to go over. I've only got a few minutes, so I apologize for that. Quarter till, I'm pretty long-winded. I'll try to do my best. But before we get started, I'd like to offer uh, another prayer because I really need as much prayer as I can get. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we want all honor and glory to be given to you. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you and praise you for your word. You have given us everything we need to know. We just need to search for it as for the pearl of great price. Lord, you have blessed bountifully. Look at, we are all here. We have had water to wash ourselves to get here. We have had food. Lord, if there's any hungry among us, shame on us. For Lord, you have given to us um, unreservedly. Lord, this morning as we delve into your word, I pray that honor and glory be given to you, that you would bring back to remembrance those things which you have taught and that our ears would be in tune to your Holy Spirit to listen to what you have for us here this morning. Please help me to humble myself, Lord. Remove me from the picture. May these words be yours, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Some of you may have guessed already, Uh, just based on the time period that I mentioned 130 years ago, what this message is. I'm not going to give an extensive talk on the message of righteousness by faith, but I want to kind of point out when looking at um, the church of Laodicea, how much God really does, how much Jesus talked about this subject of righteousness by faith through the Bible. And when Jesus was here on the earth, he struggled to try to get it across to his people. And thus, we are here today struggling with the same, this same thing. So I'd like you to uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, and we're just going to kind of go over um, the church of Laodicea here for a few minutes. Uh, We're going to start in verse 14. I'm glad there's pages turning. Because it's best if you can see it for yourself, and hopefully we can present this clear enough that you will understand. It says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know not that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee. This is very interesting here. He gives some instruction. He's given the rebuke. Now he's giving some instruction what he would like to see for this church of Laodicea. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich 
and white raiment, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness does not appear. And anoint your eyes with the eye salve, that you may see. As many as I have loved, I have rebuked and chastened. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and sup with him, and he with me. I'd like to draw our attention to the three things that, that Jesus counsels here. I counsel thee to buy of me what? Gold tried in the fire. Okay? The next is white raiment. White raiment that, you, that the shame of your nakedness does not appear. And then also eye salve that thou may see. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 and starting in verse 16. Starting in verse 16, it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? We're going to focus on this first, gold tried in the fire. What good thing may I do so that I can have eternal life? And Jesus says unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Trying to get the man's attention here. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And he says unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, you shall not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And listen to the response of this young man. He says, all these things I have kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? What lack I yet? It's kind of interesting that to the question, Jesus answers the commandments. He's prying into this young man's heart. Oh, Lord, I have kept all the commandments. I have gone to church or to the synagogue every Sabbath. I have held positions. I am wealthy. I am generous. But there's something obviously bothering him because what do I need yet to do to obtain eternal life? He is sensing that there is something missing in his life. And Jesus says here in verse um, 21, if you will be perfect, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Where was this young, rich young man's salvation based? Where was his salvation based? What's that? His works. He said, from a youth I have kept the commandments. I've done all this. But yet he was not at peace because he knew there was something else missing. And Jesus told him what it was. And he didn't like the answer. And what happened? He walked away. Very sad because he had great wealth. God was desiring that he would give him his heart. He had been doing service. He had been keeping the commandments, but he had not given God his heart. Turn with me, um, this white raiment, turn with me to uh, up a couple chapters to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, this white raiment. I'm sure we're all familiar with what the white raiment represents. But here's a perfect parable that Jesus tells to uh, demonstrate this. Uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 1, And Jesus answered and spoke unto them again, 
saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth another servant, saying, Tell them which are bidden or who are invited, Behold, I have prepared the dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all the things are ready. Come unto the marriage. Mm. But they made light of it and went their ways, one of them to his farm, another to his um, merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated him spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but thou which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both good and bad, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Now here's where the story gets interesting. And the king came in to see the guests, and he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how came you in here having no wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Why do you think he was speechless? Did he know the requirements? Yes. In fact, he didn't even have to provide a wedding garment for himself. The wedding garment was provided. In fact, if you read in Christ's Object Lessons, she states that it was because he disdained or he had great disrespect. He was scornful towards it. That's why he would not put it on. That's why he would not put it on. So what is this white raiment? Sorry, I don't know what's happening. So what is this white raiment? Christ's righteousness, yes. Here we see in both these instances, God is calling us to get his righteousness. Christ's righteousness, not our own. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 1. And then the kingdom of heaven will be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise, they took oil in their vessels uh, with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. I just want to get an idea. We understand that these are virgins. Now, what is a, a woman representative of in the Bible? Church, okay. What are, all these are virgins, so what does this make them? Pure. It makes them pure. These are, church, these are people who understand. These people know the truth, okay? But yet they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there came... A loud cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there not be enough for us. Go and buy from those who sell. And when they went, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went into the marriage supper with him. Them, or with him. Uh, then comes the foolish, Lord, Lord, pounded on the door, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily, verily, I know you not. I don't know you. Now, what is this third, this I salve? 
Okay, we see the gold tried in the fire, true faith and love. The white raiment is the righteousness of Christ. The eye salve is what? What do you say? So you may see. It's God's grace to give us spiritual discernment. And how is that meted out to us? Through his Holy Spirit. That's right. Now I want you to, there's something that I didn't ever realize before about this story of the church or this illustration of the church of Laodicea and all these parables. We have three gold tried in the fire, white raiment, and eye salve. We have the pure faith and love of God. You could say God the Father. You have the white raiment, which represents the righteousness of Christ. And you have the eyes salve for spiritual discernment, which is the Holy Spirit. All these three in one message for this last day church who is in desperate need of this very, very key element to salvation. In fact, without it, there is no salvation. You know, the children of Israel came to the borders of the promised land twice, did they not? The first time, what happened? Why did they not go in? What's that? Lack of faith. They were scared of the giants. They said, we can't conquer them. What had God already been doing for them? They looked at the works, but they didn't have that connection with God. God did great works, but no connection with God. No connection. They came up to the borders of the promised land a second time, and they almost lost it because of women. And never mind, that's another subject for another day. But anyway, I'm not saying anything derogatory about women, but there's a, there's, there's a lesson in that whole story. Boy, there's at least another sermon or two in that whole incident on the borders of the promised land when Balaam came and caused all that strife in amongst the uh, children of Israel. But you know what was lacked in all of this was a living connection, especially we see it illustrated in the parable of the ten virgins. They were missing what made the five foolish foolish because they did not have that living connection with, with God. They were missing a living experience. Case in point, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, or 7, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. We have pure church, knows the truth. They all slumbered and slept, but there was a difference. There was a difference. And here's part of the difference. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then he will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We've had the opportunity, we've been at the borders of the promised land before, but because of lack of faith, we were not able to go in and conquer. God is bringing us up to the borders of the promised land again. What are we going to do with this? You know, it was such a key, a lot of people have a misconception of what righteousness by faith is. Yes, righteousness by faith, faith in the merits of Christ to cover our sins so that we don't have to worry about that, but... We have to confess. But here, some people take and go, okay, 
don't have to worry about that. The law is no good anymore. Then you have the people on the other side who don't want to accept that at all and say, well, we have all this, 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 and this to do. Well, that's what the people in Matthew 7 said. Hey, we cast out demons. We prophesied in your name. God said, I never knew you. The foolish virgins, they slumbered and slept. They knew the truth too. But God said, I never knew you. Why was that? Because of that living, vital relationship with, with Christ. How do we get this living, vital relationship with Christ? How do we get this faith? You seek it. That's right. You seek it. Jesus says, you will seek, search for me and you will find me, or you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. What's that? Daily. Yes, I die daily. Galatians 2.20. God has given us this opportunity, but why is it so hard to submit our wills to God's? You know, it is, it baffles my mind that I don't get this through my head, uh, and I've struggled with this all my life. Most of the spiritual life when I started, or all my spiritual life when I started discerning that God was actually putting a call on my heart. You know, uh, you, as you grow up in the church, you listen to people say, you have one side that says you have to do this, and then there's the other side that just loves. I'm not criticizing either side, but there needs to be a blending. There needs to be a blending. Jesus has given this message of righteousness by faith, and we are told that this message of righteousness by faith is the third angel's message in verity. In other words, this is the last great message that needs to be preached to a lost and dying world. Righteousness by faith in Christ's merits, not our own. But what happens when that becomes a living reality in our life? What follows naturally behind? Works. The church of Laodicea, these ten virgins that were all slumbered and slept, the five wise, what made them different is even though they were slumbering and sleeping, they still maintained a vital relationship with God. They still read the word. How are we going to get this faith? Faith comes by what? And hearing by the, by the word of God. If we are not daily in our Bibles, if we are not daily praying, you know, uh, Peter counsels us to grow in grace. We are instructed that growing in grace is Bible study, prayer, and witnessing. Those are the three fundamentals to growing in grace. And if we don't have those you know, I've heard some complaints saying, you know, our church is struggling, it's failing, we're falling apart, um, nobody shows up. Well, it's just Laodicea. That's just the way it's going to be. But if we get the right pastor, he's going to heal everything. We'll get a pastor that, that tends to the youth, that tends to the old people, that tends to the sick and lame, that tends to everything, and that's going to fix it. You know what? That's not going to fix a thing. Guess what? That's not going to fix a thing. You can have the best youth pastor in the world, but if the youth are not actively engaged with the adults and being instructed and the adults aren't so stinking stubborn and willing to mentor the youth, it's still not going to go anywhere. Why do you think we have problems with the youth growing up and leaving the church? Because we don't give them anything to look forward to. It, this separation, I, I, I told somebody in the back, I don't remember who, but I am thankful for this getting together at the beginning of Sabbath school. How are we to instruct our children 
on what true righteousness is when we don't exhibit it ourselves. They need the experiential relationship with the parents, parents who are loving God. No pastor or elder or anyone else can fill that position but us. We don't have a pastor for a reason because we need to wake up. God is giving us an opportunity to wake up out of our slumber, to get active. You want to see a growing church? You see a growing church when, they, when we show up here at the meetings, and this church is full of people. You know why? Because it's ministry, ministry by presence. When we have the presence, that brings... I, one person we had a few years back that came in was baptized, and for the first Sabbath they came during the meetings, they were astonished at how full the church got. Where are all the, who are all these people? Well, these are church members. Well, where are they at? We don't see them Wednesday night or at any of the meetings. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm stepping on toes. I'm not. This worked hard for me. My wife and I, we used to use this excuse all the time. We got kids. It's a pain in the butt to take them out. Then they get to bed late, and then they're ornery, and we can't function the next day and all this stuff. We use this excuse, and finally the Lord said, no. My boys like to come to prayer meeting. You know why? Because it's fellowship of like believers. It doesn't matter if they're adults. Adults associate with them. I'm thankful for Rudy. I'm sorry I'm mentioning names here. But I'm thankful because Rudy takes an active interest in my boys. So does Robert. These are other older men that take active interest in my boys. That is going to be what builds this church. Until we get this through our minds, when we have that relationship with him, I'm going to tell you, I would be sick without prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Am I preaching long? Am I getting extra winded here? I'm sorry. You tell me to quit. It's afternoon. Everybody normally bursts out the door at noon. But I got here, I just got here 15 minutes ago. So anyways, I'm sorry. But when we have an active, vital church coming together, praying together. You know what? We spend a half hour in prayer, and you think, oh, my word, a half hour in prayer, that's got to take forever. It flies by, does it not, Tom? We are seeking the Lord's watch care over us. We are putting our burdens into His hands, and He is relieving. We are at the borders of the promised land. This whole idea of righteousness by faith, oh, man, there's so much you can do on righteousness by faith. It's just... It's so simple, but yet it's so complicated because as you look through these stories, parables and these stories in the Bible that Jesus was sharing us, each one of them, he's pleading with them, accept me, believe in me, take my yoke upon you. Oh, we got to look at there. Matthew chapter 11, come on, Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. This is a phenomenal passage that has deeper meaning than we, just, than we often put into it. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25, and at that time Jesus answered and said, I'm going to speed it up here, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Jesus says, in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you've got to become as a little child. He hid it from the wise and prudent, but he revealed it to the child. It's phenomenal. Even so, Father, so it seemed good in your sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows. No man knows the Son, but the Father neither, neither knoweth any, 
the Father except by the Son, and whosoever the Son will reveal him. Verse 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Everyone is weary and heavy laden. But the number one reason we are weary and heavy laden, and we may have all kinds of worldly burdens, but it's because of this weight of sin. You know, when we were talking about, even Wednesday night, I think we were talking about eternal life, what it's going to be like in heaven. And the number one thing for me was, what a blessing not to have to fight against the carnal knowledge anymore or that carnal mind, that constant battling against sin. We are wearied and heaven laden. But Jesus says, come unto me. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. When we enter into the school of Christ to learn at his feet what it means to give him your burdens, your cares, we find rest unto our souls. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Righteousness by faith. Does it remove us from the burdens? Does it remove all the sin and the filth around us? Absolutely not. But what it does is we have the perfect one yoked up with us. We don't have to worry about what our load may be because he has taken the brunt already. God, you know, I've shared this in Sabbath school again. How can you lose a court case when the judge, your defense attorney, and the sentencer are all the same person who died for you, well, first he created you, then he died for you, and he's making intercession for you right now. How can you lose that? The only way is by not making the choice. The only way you are not going to make it into the kingdom of heaven is by having an unrepentant heart. If you have a repentant heart, God is more than happy to welcome you home. An unrepentant heart will be the only thing that keeps you out. Sorry, I, we need to stop here. But righteousness by faith. You know, in Psalms 35, 24, David says, judge me according to your righteousness. Oh God, judge me according to your righteousness. We don't want to stand in our own righteousness. Do we make mistakes? Absolutely. That's why 1 John 5 talks about, hey, if we sin, guess what? You know, anyone who's in Christ doesn't sin anymore. But... If we do sin, we have an advocate. We have a defense attorney. We have one that mediates for us in our behalf. That's Jesus Christ the righteous. Jeremiah 23 talks about that very same thing. He is the one who's going to deliver us, and his name is called the Lord our righteousness. Don't get in a debate with somebody about being perfect. Because let me tell you something. If we trust in any of our perfect works, <laughs> we have very good evidence on clear, clear evidence on good authority that with any, we could live the most perfect life right now, or what we deem perfect, and it would be worthless if it wasn't mingled with the incense of Christ's righteousness. Without that, we have nothing. This is what righteousness by faith is. Mingling, that's why when we kneel and we pray in the intercession, in the holy place of the sanctuary, the high priest mediated at the, at the altar of incense, the incense wafting up before God, because that's Jesus. That's Jesus intermingling his righteousness with our prayers. So as they ascend to the Father, we have 
what we know we ask of. Know that you have it. But if we want to make a difference right here, right now, today in our church, we have to have the ministry of presence. When this church is open, we should be here if at all physically possible. When this church has any functions, we should as much and as far as possible support it. You know why? Because whether you believe it or not, you have an integral part. You may not even hold an office, but you have an integral part in saving souls that come through that door. Because who's to know that comes through that door? Somebody that you need to speak to. You don't know that. Last story here, and then I'll, I'll, I'll quit. There was a lady when I was growing up as a, as a young person, and in, in, um, I happened to live in Escanaba at the time, up in the UP. And this lady was, um, I, I don't think I ever saw her without a smile on her face. She could cry with a smile on her face. This woman was what I consider, I see her sitting on the throne. You know, that's another thing here. I got to, okay, I'll get there just a second. Just a, I'm sorry. Mine runs to her all over the place. But this woman, she was my Sabbath school teacher in juniors. She had family that was missionary on the island of uh, Pitcairn. And she went over there and was ministering, and then she came back, and she brought us stuff. And, you know, she gave us prizes for <laughs> memorizing our scriptures and uh, our memory verses for Sabbath school. And she was just so encouraging. She would come into the church school, and she had this thing called the Winner's Club. And she, she said, everybody's in the Winner's Club. She, she was very artistic. In fact, I, sh I should show you a picture that she sketched out for, at VBS, and she held it up and said, anybody know what this is? A bird, you know, and of course, I know what it is. And I got the picture, and I still have it to this day. She's passed probably about four years ago now, I think. Um, but anyways, she just invested her love and her care into the young people. And at that time in my life, I needed that. At that time in my life, I needed that. She did so much for me. She brought us over to her house one at a time, prepared our favorite meal, then had us make a craft for our mothers. Powerful, powerful mentoring of young people. And I would dare say, at that time in my life, without her influence in my life, I would have been lost. God did the same thing to me when I became older as a teenager. Put that one person in my life. You don't know who that one person is going to be. You don't know who might come up to you and say something or just enjoy being in your presence. I want to read one last thing in uh, Revelation 3. Revelation 3, talking the last verse um, of the church of Laodicea. <laughs> last two verses. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I saw also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear to what the Spirit says unto the churches. Do you, did you get that promise? To the church of Laodicea, he who overcomes, he will give what? The right to sit with him on his throne. The church of Laodicea has a very special place, and yet it's the one church, only church that God says, I can't stand you. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's a promise. That means there must be victory in there. There is victory, and that victory is in Jesus Christ, our righteousness. Okay. I thank you for being willing to listen. You know, I believe 
it would do us well if each one of you, when you go home, start studying this message of righteousness by faith. It's not anything to be scared of. It's not anything to get pushed off to the side. This is the message that we need to proclaim. You know, as Adventists, we're good at keeping the law. We always say Catholics make good Adventists because they're great works people. But let me tell you something. We need to be great love people. We need to be great um, not only doers, but hearers. You know, oh, yeah, we don't want to be just hearers. We want to be doers of the law. So we skip right past the hearing and go to the doing, just like the rich young man. He did, 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 but he still wasn't at peace because he was missing something. Read the chapter on the feast called The Feast at Simon's House today if you want when you get home. Jesus, when Mary was washing his feet, we are instructed there, God desires that we have more of a heart knowledge instead of just a head knowledge of him. We've got to have that living experience that the five foolish virgins were missing. They didn't have oil in their lamps because they weren't experiencing it. So what my challenge to you today is, please invite God into your heart. Ask him to show you what you need to release. Don't be like that rich young ruler, Lord, that's too much. That cost is too high. Nothing is too high of a cost. This life is fleeting. There's nothing here. It's more disgusting each and every day. There's just nothing here. And I so wanted my kids to be able to grow up in heaven. I don't know, man. Things are going to have to happen awfully quick. But you know, you guys have a role to play in everyone's life. And when we represent Christ, it'll go a long ways. We should probably close with our closing hymn, which is hymn number 184. 184. Christ our righteousness. Jesus paid it all. 184. Oh, and by the way, there is a potluck downstairs. I know there was a question on whether some of you